tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I'm Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapters 48 and 49. Chapter 48, Baz. Baz returns to their room after eating rats and sandwiches in the catacombs. (laughs) Penny is long gone, and he is still buzzed off that wet-ass magic. Simon wants to see if he can thrust a little more magic into Baz to see if it wasn't a one-off thing that they that could possibly be useful in the future. Once again, Simon's magic slips into Baz and he's so full of it, he casts something that is not even a spell that projects them into space. If it sounds like being high, then it's that too, as Baz is a little drunk off of the feeling. Simon pulls out his magic and totes ruins the moment by asking when Baz will confirm he's a vampire. Their little intimate moment over. Chapter 49, Simon. Sometime after the last chapter, Agatha approaches Simon after class about Christmas holiday, which Simon has very fond memories about. But Agatha is here to tell him it would be awkward as, as fuck for him to stay at her house for Christmas break, which is both legit and a total bummer for Simon. Yep. Before we get into it, reminder, we're spoiling everything through the end of this book, but nothing from the sequels. Also, please go leave us a review. It makes us happy and it helps people find the podcast. And now we enter. Easy come, easy go. Easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. (laughs) Penny apparently left Baz's bed smelling like blood chocolate and herbs, which makes me feel like she's on her period. But I don't think that that's what it was supposed to mean. You know, I actually totally read that way also. Even though I think you're right, I don't think that was maybe the intention of that line, but that's immediately where my brain went to. Cool. Glad. (laughs) Glad. Cool. I'm glad we're on the same page. (laughs) Sort of along that lines. I like that. (laughs) Baz says it smells like intensity and brownies. I know. It's like, <laughs> really good. What a good <laughs> it, just, it just makes me laugh intensely. Uh, so in less fun, not serious stuff, we just get very good foreshadowing about imagine if mages could steal each other's magic, they would tear each other apart. And, like, no one has ever stolen another person's magic before. And it's like, just you wait, like, one month, a week, not very long at all. It's coming. You're going to see it happen. (laughs) You're correct. Yeah. Which is really just unfortunate. I I know we're probably going to get into this probably in a later section, but I feel like I interpreted the scene about them, like, going to space as them being, like, sort of astro projected into space. Mm-hmm. which is like that is what i want drugs to do to me 
<laughs> and I'm just like, this sounds great. Everything about this part sounds awesome. <laughs> totally. It sounds like, yeah, like being on shrooms mostly to me. Or maybe actually more like what I've heard uh, Salvia is like, mm. which is like full hardcore hallucination for like a very brief amount of time. Yeah. Uh, funny story. There was a there was a sweet minute where the salvia plants weren't illegal in the entirety of I think the country, at least the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I should just like order some seeds of this from like Ohio and just grow my own. But true to ADHD fashion, I did not follow through with that idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is too bad. It sounds like it could have been fun. Yeah, I've heard very good things. I've never tried it. I would try it if yeah, given no. the opportunity. Same. <sighs> okay, so someone from the UK, please feel free to correct me. I'm pretty sure it's unrealistic that Agatha's family would be so wealthy from her dad being a doctor because her mom doesn't work. And in countries with socialized healthcare, my understanding is that being a doctor is more akin to any other, like being a teacher or being like a nurse where it's like you get a good salary, but you're not like in the upper echelons of society because that doesn't make sense. Because doctors shouldn't make that much money, <laughs> like, full stop. They shouldn't have that much student loans, and they also shouldn't be in the job for, like, becoming wealthy as fuck. Yeah, I mean, yes, point. Being a doctor should be just a regular gig, um, and not this, like, prestigious, like, it's about the money and not anyone's health. So that didn't, so that hadn't occurred to me until you said that, which brings me to the potentially terrible but amusing conclusion that he must charge the fuck out of his magical patients. Yeah, or he runs one of those like shitty private practice clinics that do exist, at least in the UK from what I've heard and are very expensive. Yeah. Or they have family money. Yeah, I should put to say, doesn't, I mean, isn't Agatha on the side kind of the old families or is it just because her dad is like the only magical doctor? I th- No, I think that they, at least her mom probably comes from old money, but probably both of them. Yeah, so it could just be like living off your interest or whatever the fuck rich people do. Yeah. I see a little silhouette of a man. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. Um, I just have a brief note about Penny, which is that we get further confirmation of like her neurodiversity where she has participated in leaving Simon and Baz's room a mess, but like the chalkboard or whiteboard or whatever is like pristinely taken care of and like carefully put away. Yeah. You, yep. Yeah. That is definitely a like. I have the spoons for one of these tasks. I'm going to go for the most important one. And that is the information. And also just like not noticing, like not noticing the like unimportant things. Mm -hmm. The board is the focus. She's going to take care of that thing. And the rest of it is like, wouldn't, is not even like registering to her. Or also forgetting that participating in like cleaning up a space that's not, 
yours is like a job that you're supposed to do because I feel like I was like 25 before I realized that I was supposed to like offer to do dishes when I was leaving someone's house after eating there and I was like I hate it when people do that to me because I'm like no get out of my house this is awkward and so then I would forget that that like I was supposed to do it in return it's like a social nicety and it's very but I don't live here (laughs) okay I I don't think I've ever been well I've definitely been to people's houses where it's like, I'll help you clear the table. We can put stuff away. Like we can pack away leftovers. I have, which maybe just is also a sign of my own neurodiversity at all was like, I'm going to help you wash the dishes because I hate washing my own dishes. I'm like, not going to wash anyone else's dishes. <laughs> and so you'd be like, this is social nicety. It's like, oh no, have I been like a terrible house case this entire time? I will say it did take me till I was like 22 to realize if you like bring over a bottle of wine or something to a dinner, you should leave it there and not just take it back with you. I, yeah, I also like realizing that you're supposed to take something with you when you like go to someone's house. I'm like, I was, it was way too late in my life that I realized that. And again, it's because I hate getting the like, what should we bring text? I'm like, nothing, I'm serving you. And so then if I don't like it, it doesn't occur to me to like offer it to someone else because I'm like, I don't want to get that text. So clearly no one wants to get that text. Yeah. And I realize that like when I say don't bring anything and like whatever, like I genuinely mean that. And I feel like for because the social nicety thing is like I'm saying that, but I don't actually mean that. But it's like, no, I don't (laughs) actually care if you don't bring if you bring something you're not. If there's a thing you want to eat at my party, you should bring it. But if not, I am supplying the food, you know? Right. Exactly. And I, so I just feel like it's like, I'm hearing what you're saying, but you secretly want the opposite? Like, just fucking tell me that. Like... Uh, I did learn, pro tip for anyone who needs this pro tip, one of my friends in New Orleans I was over, I was at a dinner party. I think someone else was like, let me, like, let me do dishes. And he was like, as my mom always says, don't insult me. And I was like, ooh, that's good. Like, I'm just going to steal that because it's very clear that you're not allowed to, like, take my, like, no, don't worry about it as, like, an invitation to worry about it. It's like, no, get the fuck out of my kitchen. I, You're my guest and I'm guesting you. It's <laughs> like the South is awesome in a lot of ways. That's like such a great, great way to approach that too. Another thing that works is just I have a dishwasher. <laughs> like people are like, "Oh, okay, that means yeah. I can leave this on your counter." I'm like, yes, yeah. yeah, having a dishwasher definitely helps for that. But even when I didn't have a dishwasher, it was like you. I invite you to my house. Like, if you're gonna do chores, can you go do my laundry instead? I don't really, I don't really want to do that either. <laughs> But right. Like... It's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, stand here watching you clean my kitchen when we could just be, like, sitting in the living room having a beverage? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And it's, like, annoying because I feel like you only... I feel like if you don't somehow learn this from, like, your family or something, eventually someone's just, like, pulls you aside and it's like, yo, that's not cool. And it's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yes, Why didn't exactly. anyone tell me this sooner? <laughs> <laughs> fun tangent <laughs> please say what you mean to your neurodivergent friends 
We just, just normalize saying what you mean. Like, I don't want your passive aggressive questions or your like, oh, you, you know, no, just tell me straight up. I promise I won't cry because you tell me the truth directly. For real. Anyway. Yeah. Do you have anything about Penny? <laughs> don't have anything about Penny. At this point in the book, Agatha's dad, and this a little bit that we get from Simon, is like, the most chill about normals than anyone that we have mm-hmm. encountered so far, including Penny's mom, which we'll get into later. But I mean, it's like, I'm glad at least one person is, but like everyone else is just like. Pfft. And I think that's really fucking lucky for Agatha. Although, I mean, I'm sure also like influenced where Agatha lands on normals, but like she, I think obviously is even more than her dad into that normal life because she's like i'm getting out of this goddamn world the second that i'm allowed i know let agatha be a veterinarian 2020 yeah (laughs) yeah oh she'd be such a good veterinarian she would be and i guess that also is maybe you know i also understand maybe liking animals more than people (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) see i see what you're doing there i got the we had this vet a while ago who called my dogs kiddo. And I was like, that tells me everything I need to know about who you are. I think that's lovely. Yeah. No, that is very lovely. Yeah. My favorite, the only time that has happened is that like, I don't know, we had taken Toshi to some like very fancy cat only veterinarian in a very rich suburb of mm-hmm. Detroit. And our vet, when she came in, like, you know, like, we're sitting on this bench and Toshi's, like, sitting between us. And the vet, like, gets on the floor <laughs> to, like, pet Toshi and talk to us. And I'm like, I like you so much <laughs> yeah. than, I've, than any vet that I've had. And I have, like, a pretty good vet, but I'm like, you're next level. For sure. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up. Why don't you start with uh, Penny's mom? I feel like it deeply hurt me that she's that Penny's mom is basically like, yeah, we're we have this like whole other cool extra thing. Obviously, we're better, and it's like only by like sheer luck of however magic works in this world do you have magic. It's just, I don't know. It just sucks when there's, like, a character you like, and it's just like, ooh. Uh, uh, maybe the air of magical superiority is why one of your sons is now with the mage. Like. <laughs> right? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, have, that kind of superiority is not a good look, because it's always going to be like, oh, well, you know, normals are just like, you know, once you go... Or they're not as good as us. It's just really all downhill from being like... It doesn't matter if the vampires are eating normals. Who cares? As long as they're not finding out about us, you know? About magical people. So, Which is like... I mean, obviously, Penny thinks that way. So she must be getting that from her mom, probably. Mm -hmm. It also explains why we're... And not that many pages gonna learn that her mom doesn't have friends because 
she like doesn't apparently she thinks she's better than her fucking co-workers at the college and like she doesn't like the majority of the magical people and it's like that sucks yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah man. that sounds like it's a little lonely you know she has like her husband and her kids but it's like it's nice to have friends that aren't just like in your immediate vicinity like that totally but yeah i could see where it's like it could be potentially difficult to have a friend who thinks that she, that she's just like smarter and better than you. <laughs> yeah and i mean it, i don't know I guess my impression is that she's just, like, not even interested in being friends with normals. Um, My only other thing besides that here is just that we get, like, Baz straight up saying that he can't say that he's a vampire or he will be murdered. Which is, like, a legit reason not to tell Simon anything about that. I mean, obviously, this this doesn't necessarily cross either of the kids' minds, but, like, are they being, like, watched magically, like, in their, like, dorm rooms? Who the fuck knows? I yeah, totally. heard about that, too. Ugh, especially with the mage in charge. I know. I For all Baz knows, Simon could be, like, fucking wearing a wire, you know? Yeah. Even though he is, still shirtless. <laughs> True. <laughs> so rude, Simon. <sighs> Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. Alright, I want to talk about beauty spells, because I fucking love the line, Penny says beauty spells are nothing to be ashamed of. I think that's wonderful, as like a very, I don't know, vain, as a very vain person, as a person who's like very interested in like the way that i present myself to the world i'm like fuck yeah beauty spells are nothing to be ashamed of and i think that sometimes in our like body positivity sort of attitude there can become a sort of messy area when it comes to people who do want to like do things to change the way that their bodies look or whatever and so I just really love having that there especially with Agatha feeling presumably like ashamed at even of the idea of being accused of using a spell on her hair whether or not she is and I think it's interesting because we saw Simon judge Baz's cousin, question mark, for doing a spell to change his eye color earlier in the book, which I would qualify as a beauty spell. Yeah. And I don't know, I kind of wish that Penny was there to be like, Simon, it's not a waste of magic. Beauty spells are nothing to be ashamed of. Leave Dev alone if he wants to make his eyes blue, even if he's not doing a good job with the spell. That's fine. <laughs> uh, it's like that trend whatever that was when people would buy like fake contacts to like mm-hmm. change their eye color which if i wasn't afraid of like touching my eyes i might have like gone for it for a hot second but i definitely had purple contacts for a while oh yeah i don't like the idea of touching my like my eyeballs so i'm like i can't do this yeah mm-hmm. what would be cool would be a spell to like protect your 
whatever your whatever you've styled your hair as from like when you put a hat on it being like immediately smushed. <laughs> mm-hmm. More so, I would want to protect my hair from fucking humidity. I'm like, I just blow dried this and now it's all messy and curly again. I if my hair is curling like appropriately, I'm fine with it. I'm not judging curly hair. It's just if I have blow dried it and made it all smooth and then it gets curly, it all like goes to the wrong side of my head and it looks like I'm in a like new wave band from the eighties. <laughs> that is not the aesthetic that I'm going for. <laughs> Very fair. Okay. The next thing that I have. Oh, okay. I want to talk about like Agatha and Simon and like A, Agatha is correct. Simon cannot go home with her for Christmas. Like that's fucking weird. That's that's like a weird AF. It's like, Simon, I know that you don't really have any place else to go, but you should have been expecting this. Yes. Exactly. And this is like multi-part. I think the fact that Simon was expecting it makes sense because he went there before he and Agatha were dating. So like his framing of this is not relationship dependent. I think that his reaction of like, Agatha, fuck off, like it would totally be fine also makes a lot of sense to me because essentially he is feeling abandoned and like removed from this one sort of like familial thing that he's maybe ever had Mm -hmm. i'm very proud of him for keeping that inside and not expressing it to her and i'm so angry that penny's mom won't fucking let him go to their house i don't care that she's annoyed with him this is your child's best friend and he has nowhere else to go it is incredibly fucked up because it's like, as an adult, you should be stepping up for children in your sort of immediate orbit. Definitely makes sense considering our coverage about how fucking judgmental she is about yes. everything. But still, fuck, don't do that to kids that, that don't have any family. Like, the fuck? Yeah. Especially when we see Penny's house because, like, her family, they they don't, like spend a bunch of time in the same room together or like do things together so just make it a policy that simon has to like pick up the stack of books when he knocks it over and like let it be he knows that she's annoyed with him he'll be fucking quiet leave it alone right you're already gonna have six people in your house what what like what the fuck is one more exactly Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about an abundance of sexy stuff. (laughs) Holy fucking shit, Uh, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, when I was writing the the summary of this chapter, I'm like, this like isn't even a euphemism. Like, I'm just describing what is happening. Exactly. (laughs) Oh. Do you want to start? I just want to start off with just, you know, just uh, Beth and Simon uh, holding hands uh, in the dark while Simon is shirtless. Like you do. Like you do. Totally chill thing for, uh, you know, two folks who are enemies to do. (laughs) They're on a truce. I don't know if you Mm -hmm. heard. They're on a (laughs) truce. A shirtless hand-holding truce. 
That's that's fair. Okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna read like an abbreviated version of this chapter. The porn only version of this chapter <laughs> is what's about to happen. Uh, uh, shove your kids into another room. It is not safe for work. <laughs> no one is having children in the room while listening to this podcast. That's fair. I mean, I don't know. Or at least they're like sending them away whenever we get to the shivers section because... Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Here I go. I'm still humming with his magic and it's been hours since he pulled away. It was like being struck by benevolent lightning. I felt scorched clean, centerless, like I was bigger on the inside, like I could cast any spell. At first, Snow was giving it to me, but then the magic was just there. It was mine in that moment, everything that was his. Later, he grabs my hand. Snow licks his bottom lip and closes his eyes halfway. I feel his magic, a buzz, then a rush of static. I try not to squirm. The static settles into a heavy thrum, like sparks catching into flames. The discomfort goes away, even though the feeling gets stronger. I could cast a sonnet right now. I'm so full of power, I could go Nova if I wanted and have my own galaxy. So much power. I feel like he completed the circuit. He pulls back. It feels like the tide going out if the tide were made of heroin and fire. Snow's magic has wiped me out. I'm not even sure I could stand now. So I just close my eyes. Yeah, I've definitely read erotica that was less descriptive than this. The one you just read to me. Oh, jeez. I also can't deal with, like, Simon's bedroom eyes once he, like, mm-hmm. is getting some magic into Baz, and I'm like, yep, yep, this is the thing that's happened in this scene. And then, like, Baz is like, holy fuck, is this what you looked like <laughs> earlier today? <laughs> Reaction is like, yep, that's, yep, totally. Just, just I, like, don't have words because I'm just like, yep. <laughs> that is just a you know nor- normal thing that happens so yeah it's oh my god this chapter is so much <laughs> oh no it is i i just feel like the discomfort goes away even though the feeling gets stronger is like the only description of what having anal sex is like it's like any guide that i've ever read is like just relax into it and the discomfort will go away while the feeling gets stronger (laughs) yeah yeah i feel like any no i won't say any but yeah i feel like a lot of the a lot of fan fiction that i've read involving anal sex has been very similar i mean depending i think on if the writer knows what they're doing or not but yeah it's like (laughs) exactly (laughs) so i'm just kind of like yeah this is very intentionally incredibly sexy (laughs) yeah totally it's like they're having gay sex i don't know if you noticed (laughs) it's just oh it's so good your turn just all the hand holding (laughs) (laughs) and it like is sexy but i'm also just like you know that's where that's where where the magic is happening. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love that you focused on the cute stuff. 
I feel like the hand holding is very like just if Baz is just being like he's holding my hands does he know what it means to hold hands does he need to still be holding my hands and it's like very adorable it's like that's the part that you're you know I mean obviously he's like having a moment this like life-changing experience moment with Simon I just also like that Baz is getting wrapped up in like the hand holding part doing like the magical sex part Mm -hmm. (laughs) so the um the cute thing that I noticed, whatever. So, like, obviously we know Simon's magic, like, really hurt Penny. And it doesn't hurt Baz at all. And I just wrote, because they're soulmates. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Crucible did put them together. It did. And also, we got that thing from Penny about incompatible magic and, like, people who are in love but can't be together. And it's like, look how compatible their magic is yeah (laughs) it just slips right in (laughs) (laughs) sorry that took a minute to like (laughs) register (laughs) (laughs) oh my god Uh, yeah this magic doesn't even need lube Uh, you know, just the uh, raw dogging on the magic. You know oh my god! <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we just went from like cute to obscene in like <laughs> record time. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Uh, well, my first thing is our uh, the first spell we get in this chapter, which is Float Like a Butterfly, which is apparently how Baz got across that moat mm-hmm. so gracefully. Mm-hmm. Most famously quoted by Muhammad Ali as like part of his famous line about how he was going to beat some dude because he was very good at beating the dudes. <laughs> <He's> very, <laughs> very, very good boxer. Just wanted to point out he was a rad dude. Mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali. And just, it's always good to have a spell you can like point to the source as opposed to like say, twinkle, twinkle, little star, which I'm sure is very old. Right. And hilariously not an actual thing. It is rad though it sounds lovely twinkle twinkle little star heck yeah that sounds like it'd be great for like looking at shit in space yeah which side note have you seen any of the photos of the planetary conjunction that was last night i need to look at it um there is a photo that someone took in australia that like is unreal like you can see the rings of Saturn and then, like, the stripes on Jupiter. Like, you can see the color and the detail of the planets. And you're just, and it's like, this isn't Photoshop. This is, like, what you could have seen with a telescope. It's wild. It's so cool. Because... sounds lovely. I'm going to look that up as soon as we're done recording. Yeah, and I'm like, I just want to use that to, like, I don't know, be stoned and look at the stars. Like, it sounds awesome. Hell yeah. I mean, it's, I mean... 
It sounds like it could be a spell though, right? Like it's very, it's a very, very well-known thing. And like, why would it not be a planetarium spell? Yeah. Baz should use that as his final project. I know. It's both educational and entertaining. Win-win all around. Yeah. Uh, The only other thing that I have is about acute abnormal ailments. Which, in addition to, like, just being wonderful because of the way that it's spelled with the capital N in the middle of abnormal, I don't know, is cool and also makes me, like, really curious about what they are. Yeah, that's that's actually my other thing, too. Yeah, it's like, I want to know more about magical illness and, like, ailments and stuff. I mean, obviously you can't just cram all the detail you make up into your books, but I just want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, we don't, I mean, besides Baz being a vampire, and I guess, like, Lucy and that, all that fucking shit that mage did to her, we don't really see any, like, anyone, like, being sick, you know? Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next time we'll be reading chapters 50 and 51. For the first time, I get to say that Escape from Reality is a creation of hashtag Ruthless Productions, which is our new, I don't know, umbrella production company thing that we made up. It's essentially meaningless, but we have multiple projects and it seemed like it was time. Uh, and this podcast is produced, mixed, and edited by me. Uh, thank you all for listening. If you want to hear more, hear more about magical schools, you should totally listen to The Gaelic Prophet, our podcast about Harry Potter. And if you want to hear us talk more about vampires, you should definitely, uh, subscribe to our Patreon, where we have a Patreon-exclusive Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast, We Are the Gayers. Uh, yeah, we we have a um, non-hierarchical Patreon where whichever tier that you are in, you are able to access all of our Patreon exclusive content, which also includes bonus material cut from the episode that's released on our main feed, fan fiction, art by Theo Julian Forrester, and a host of other awesome extra stuff. So you should check us out. Hell yeah. Every episode of this podcast is longer on Patreon and also goes up earlier. So since you like this podcast, even if you don't like Buffy, maybe maybe that's an incentive for you to join. Another thing that you can do if you want to support us is buy our merch, which you can find on our website, thegailyprofit.com. And a new merch offering that we have is a sticker club that you can sign up for and get a different sticker in the mail every month. And for free, you can support us by leaving us a review and by telling everyone you know about this podcast and by, you know, just continuing to listen because that's the best. We love you all so much. It is always exciting that people are still listening to us talk about You can follow us on the internet on Instagram and Twitter at The Gaily Prophet and on Tumblr at The Gaily Prophet Pod. You can also check out our website, uh, thegailyprophet.com, where you'll be able to listen to all these episodes, check out our merch, 
learn more about us, all that awesome, those awesome things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, did I, did I get everything? You did. <laughs> uh, you can find me on the internet on Instagram at Lark Malachi, which is L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I, or on my website, which is LarkMalachi.com, where you can get a tarot reading from me. You can find me on Instagram at Life in Detroit or on Twitter from Jesse underscore Detroit. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. The music and our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. The rest of the music is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And until next time, Scatamoosh! Scatamoosh.